It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. Good afternoon, day, morning, night. Hello, Carrie, and welcome to Misdeeds and Intrigue. Hey, girl. Hey. I have something to share that we have not updated our good friend. Elizabeth Holmes <laughs> got sentenced to 11 years and three months, and Sonny Balwani got sentenced to 13 years for the Theranos scam. While at the helm of her failed blood testing company. None of us should be surprised that Elizabeth Holmes took the stand in her own defense. She should feel very confident in her ability to persuade people. After all, she was able to build Theranos from virtually nothing at the age of 19. The defense submitting Holmes's personal notes, arguing she was under the influence of her second-in-command and former boyfriend, Sonny Balwani. The intimate details show a regimented schedule and strict tenets for herself. I show no excitement. I know the outcome of every encounter. My hands are always in my pockets or gesturing, Holmes wrote on a hotel notepad. Her defense also sharing instructions they say are directly from Balwani. He, too, faces fraud charges. I will learn what makes them tick and use that as bait to motivate them, Balwani wrote for Holmes. My life is about is about this company, and it's about serving this company and doing the right thing for this company. In stark contrast to her poised nature seen in the media, Holmes unveiling a more vulnerable side, tearfully accusing Balwani of emotionally and sexually abusing her, something the former Theranos president has denied. You are one of the few people that has been able to see Elizabeth Holmes on the stand. Talk to me about what that's been like. It has been um, an eye-opening experience. She has appeared quite different than the Elizabeth Holmes you and I saw in her heyday. Came across as a strong, fearless CEO mirroring her idol, Steve Jobs. On the stand, her defense team has really softened her image. At times, she has broken down. At times, she has been very happy, smiley, laughing, even apologizing. How's that grab you? I'm impressed that these people are actually getting real jail time. Do you think she'll actually do any of it she's trying to appeal right i thought if you have to do federal you have to do 80 percent. how it's much gonna be bad for her federal no because she's going to a place that has tennis courts and stuff do you think she'll have the baby there and they'll let her keep the baby in a nurse she, she she's might not reporting it till she after had the baby she's reporting after she has the baby reporting what to her sentence uh, you have to serve 85 percent of your sentence at will least. they let her keep the baby there that's my question Oh, is there a yeah, federal some programs they have like prison yeah. nursery that she can nurse and let me look at a thing. Inquiring minds want to know. I really think she had these kids soda. Of course I did. You're talking about I needed to get out of it. Um, prison camp in Alderson, West Virginia. That's where Tokyo Rose, Billy Holiday, Squeaky Frome, and Martha Stewart went there. Miss Holiday in her dressing room had a wad of Kleenex, which concealed a double-edged razor blade. And she just walked up to this musician and sliced his shirt into ribbons and made one little drop of blood of his chest into it, walked silently into her dressing room, and that was that. Somebody had made a delivery and had cut it in half or something like that. And she wasn't having any. I mean, it's the kind of thing that could make you wet between the knees. She was making $1,000 a week. And that, in the 40s, a lot of money. And uh, she was spending it all on drugs. And it was just pathetic. I mean, she didn't even have a nightgown to sleep in. She slept in old 
uh, evening gowns. You had a lot of those. But uh, I, 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 it really was an awful thing to realize here is this really lovely lady who has got all of this talent and it's just oozing away. Soon afterwards, Billy was performing in Philadelphia. After the last show, pianist Bobby Tucker was collecting her things from the hotel when the police arrived. They emptied the drawers, turned them over underneath the sink, in the bathroom, the toilet up top. And they found this ba- uh, stocking, a lady stocking with, with the drugs in it. And uh, he said, aha. So they took us down. Bobby Tucker was quickly released, but Billy was charged with possession of heroin. On Joe Glazer's advice, she declined legal representation. The whole business of the way she was convicted is tragic because she didn't know what she was doing. And Glazer let her down completely. I think he felt at the time that this might be good for her, strange as that may sound, but that this would be a way that she could finally, you know, kick the drug addiction. Billie Holiday had been expecting to be sent to a hospital. Instead, she was sentenced to a year and a day in a woman's prison in Alderson, Virginia. She refused to sing a note all the time she was there. She was eventually released on parole, on condition she stayed with Bobby Tucker and his mother in New Jersey. When she came out, she'd had nothing stronger than a cigarette for nine months. Her train from Wallison stopped in Washington, and she got off and scored. And I met her in Newark, and when she got off the train, she gave me a big hug, and I could see, she said, oh, lady, she's hiring a car. I said, how could you? There's no hope then. She said, no, I guess not. But apparently you can live the first year there as a baby. They had a nursery. What? I don't, I don't know if that only involves you actually having the baby while incarcerated, not after. Oh. Uh, prison nursery programs allow a mother to parent her infant for a finite period of time, anywhere from 30 days to 30 months, depending on the facility. And that the woman yes. has to have no past history of child abuse or neglect, have a nonviolent crime. Some are on site within the prison complex or a wing or a unit. Really? Yeah. That's it. But I don't know if you can actually bring the baby with you. Like that's usually I think for if you're already in there. Oh, okay. Because usually you have to sign over, I think, custody and all that. Well who would get custody? The father? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I definitely think that that and I think she married him too. Oh yeah, they are married, right? Mm-hmm. We are racking up quite the little friend group here between Elizabeth Holmes, Maxwell, and Megan Markle. Yeah, we have quite the little friend group now. (laughs) We do. We do. Our favorite. Um, Hi. So we're here on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday the something of March. Um, We've just finished our two weeks, our final push, our last extent of moral engagements. It's really hard to look back on it now and go, what on earth happened? Like, how did we end up here? Fair to say, Britain is in shock this morning. A dramatic and shocking announcement from Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Announcing they're taking a step back from their royal duties. Prince Harry appears to be on a, quote, trajectory of self-destruction. H is in London, and I'm here. I don't even know where to begin. I have to tell you, I am loving 
all of the op-eds that I'm reading in the British news. Well, because they make so much great points. So we are talking about the new Netflix documentary with Meghan Markle and Harry Styles. No, Harry, (laughs) Prince Harry. I don't even want to call them royals anymore because Mm -mm. now they've really proven to me that they are not... Oh, this is what I'm thinking that, hey, now that the documentary has come out, we're not going to we're going to Wallace Simpson this shit and never go back to the royal family, which I'm hoping they'll stick to their word and do that. Right. All the allegations leveled against them. I'm hoping they'll just stay away. Stick to your guns, kids, because, you know, there was probably a call from, you know, Netflix like, you know, hello. This is Megabeth Pitzpalu. I'm the executive vice president of production at Netflix. Okay, we have a problem here. We are sick and tired of seeing Megan deliver charity olive oil cakes. We need some drama. Get us some drama. Why don't you long lens that shit into the palace when they go there for the funeral and get some some shots inside Meg- inside Buckingham Palace, right? That had to happen because otherwise it's like one big long TikTok or Instagram post. Yeah, I love they said that it was never about their privacy when they left the royal family. They because they showed over 15 hours of home video that they shot while they were plotting to leave, which I think they were intending to leave like very early on if they didn't get there. Someone was saying we should document everything, document our time together. This is the other thing. So Harry made this comment, and we'll probably watch this and you'll hear it, where he says, when we were little, we were forced to pose for cameras. We were forced we were forced to have photo walks, you know. And I'm like, what do you think Netflix is doing right now? This is so hypocritical. They are forcing you, you're getting paid to make time to sit down and do interviews. You have a structured time, just like when you did photo calls, to sit down and do an interview. But guess what? You're getting paid a buckets of cash for it. You know, mm-hmm. like as you, when you were a child, it was your duty. It was your parents' duty to allow some time to the press to take some pictures. It's not like they were making them sit down and do interviews. Now he's literally on a production schedule. The whole family is on a production schedule. This is more intrusive. You doing this to protect your family, so-called, but you're bringing them inside of your homes, which is a security risk. You're exposing your children even more so to it, which kind of rules, so to speak, between the press and the royal family. And we don't see paparazzi pictures of their kids. They go to stores like our version of Target and things like Mm -hmm. that. And people don't take photos. It's kind of like an understanding of these press opportunities. And there's people that really exploit their kids on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're complaining that you had to pose sometimes to take some pictures, these there's kids out there that had way more issues than that. And well, if you're yeah. always play devil's devil's advocate here for a moment. Say that after the Oprah interview, they felt that they still didn't get their story out. Okay. Go ahead and do another interview or a documentary that's maybe an hour or two long and show how you met and, you know, go into what happened, the ramifications, and then be done. Go do your good work with charities and be done. Don't 
they have got what six episodes maybe more and probably wanting a second season they've turned their show into reality show and that doesn't track with what they originally said they originally said we did the open interview to get the truth out now we're going to go work for our causes this is a whole different ball game it's about money it's about money and staying relevant now i'm not buying yeah. into the fact that it's to set the record straight this no but they had the oprah interview for that they worked yeah. with obi wan kenobi on a book for that <laughs> which some of the stories that they're recounting conflict a little bit with their account on that so it's which is it and i'm they're... listening to the revenge book right now which i'm not crazy about i don't know who, i don't know if it's who they chose to do the voiceover or how it's written it's written poorly in my opinion it right now it just seems like a big old bashing Doria and Megan Fest, which I'm like, I get it. I mean, I'm not an apologist for any of them, but it's so, the the read is so dramatic. I'm like, okay, does it really need to be that dramatic? Let's just take a step back. Joined now by Royal Biographer Tom Bauer. Tom, great to see you. You've got this blockbuster book. I've been reveling in your extracts. Very juicy stuff. First of all, your reaction, Prince Harry popping up at the United Nations of all places on Nelson Mandela Day, preaching away about climate change again, having apparently got there by private jet again, um, preaching about politics in America, which no royal's supposed to ever do, so the, the Constitution's been wound back and so on, um, whining about sort of the terrible, painful year he's had and all the rest of it. What do you make of this? Why does he do this? What does he think he achieves by it? Well, and also saying all that work to do in Africa, which he dedicated his life to, but prefers now to paddle in the Pacific in Santa Monica. Right. Well, he does it because he needs a profile. That's mm. the only way they can get money, by showing the profile. And for Netflix, everything is built around, around the future documentary series to promote the uh, Sussexes. When you're as rankly hypocritical as Harry is, you know, preaching about climate change, using private jets all the time, when he doesn't have to, is there not a point where the United Nations should avoid using people like him on a Mandela Day, for example? Well, it was pretty empty in the auditorium, wasn't it? It was quite empty. And the United Nations is quite famous for being a centre of hot air. So I think it's the right place on this day. But what was unbelievable was, I mean, Mandela's legacy was really betrayed by the South Africans. Mm. And, you know, South Africa could have been a completely different country if Mandela had been able to live for a few more years. Yeah. And I just thought that he skitted over all the problems of Africa and the self-inflicted problems while he just lives in luxury in Montecito. And he made, he made reference to Mandela 20 times in this brief speech, clearly trying to draw some kind of parallel between his own struggle and long walk to freedom as this great, inspiring historical figure who literally spent three decades nearly in a tiny cell. Yeah. Well, you know, Piers, you're the first person to say how limited Prince Harry is, unfortunately, <laughs> and, how, and how his wife trades off her husband's fame and fortune, or not so great fortune now. I mean, this is the problem, but we're still interested, because after all, he's a great character in our modern day. But then watching the documentary, that goes completely overdramatic in the other direction, mm -hmm. and I'm like, can we just get a normal story? Two people fell in love. They, yes, I think she did target him, but I think their love is genuine or was genuine at some yeah. point. They really did fall in love. And I actually said that most women at certain ages, when you wanted to get with a dude, you kind of figured out what they were into. How many women 
say they like hiking and they don't like hiking. You kind of knew from the outset what he was into, that he has mommy issues. Even going for an older woman, the whole deal, it wouldn't be hard. I went to Africa sometimes three months at a time. Botswana is a country very close to my heart. The fact that I spend more time here than at home worries my father a lot. <laughs> I've got a second family out there, a group of friends that literally brought me up. For me, it's always been quite special. So it was absolutely critical to share it with Meg. That summer, I was going to be on hiatus from work, but I had travel plans. And a castmate of mine had said, just make sure in your summer plans that you leave room for magic. And then as we were talking about, when are we going to see each other next? He's like, I have to go to Africa, doing some conservation work. He's like, I have one week off. I was like, I have one week off. And it was the same week. So he said, do you want to come to Botswana? I said, let me think about it. And then I did. I was astonished that she said yes. This woman that I've only met twice, she's coming to Botswana and we're going to be living in a tent for five days. Wow. They were both going to go to Africa and spend, you know, real time together. So he said, this is either going to work or not because we're going to be together 24-7. I'm getting on the plane and I'm going to the middle of the bush. What? What am I doing? Like, what if we don't like each other? And then we're stuck in the middle of the bush in a tent. It was a leap. But I think in her heart, she just knew that she had to do that with him. And it seems very contrived to me. Harry's interviews, I could just watch a story about Harry's life. That would be interesting to me. But then when we come to her, she seems very rehearsed, very contrived. And there's a certain voice that she goes into that is her speaking voice. And it just, it, like, can we just have a natural moment, please? Please. Everything is, like, played out in her head ahead of time. Mm-hmm. We get on the plane. And it's not the pilot, but whoever is sort of overseeing the crew and he came and he knelt next to my seat and he took his hat off and I just remember looking at him he goes we appreciate everything you did for our country and it was the first time that I felt like someone saw the sacrifice not for my own country For this country, it's not mine. We landed in Canada and one of our security guards who had been with H for so long, these guys were so wonderful. I just collapsed in his arms crying. I was like, I tried so hard. He goes, I know you did. I know you did, ma'am. I know you did. Like, I tried so hard. And I feel some of Harry's interviews played a little more realistic. You know, they're telling, he's telling them what he's going to say ahead of time. They're like, I'm not going to cover this. Even when they said, I think they asked him to, um, they asked him to comment about something ridiculously stupid. And he's like, no, I won't talk about that. I'm like, it's, it was like what you wore for Halloween one year or something. It yeah. was the stupidest thing. 
even the way that she was kind of over-exaggerating her bow and all that, you're trying to be relatable, but you're just kind of coming off as actually more ignorant and more condescending. So I needed to learn a lot, including the national anthem. How did you learn it? Oh, I Googled it. Most of the time that I was in the UK, I rarely wore color. There was thought in that, to my understanding. You can't ever wear the same color as Her Majesty if there's a group event. But then you also shouldn't be wearing the same color as one of the other more senior members of the family. So I was like, well, what's a color that they'll probably never wear? Camel, beige, white. So I wore a lot of muted tones, but it also was so I could just blend in. Like, I'm not trying to stand out here. There's no version of me joining this family and trying to not do everything I could to fit in. I don't want to embarrass the family. And the music they play in this documentary is just atrocious. It's all the fame. It's like, it's like a scripted version, or I mean, a, a unscripted version of When Harry Met Sally. They use mm-hmm. all the kitschy love songs. And I'm like, oh, come on. They paid a mint. Beautifully shot. I'll give it that. It's beautifully shot. And the music rights alone make this thing redis- ridiculous. I'm going to have to pause it right there because I do have to run. Not because I'm thoroughly enjoying our observations of this documentary, but at least we can it's get pretty. Into more later. It, I, that's what I'm telling it's you. Like it's an Instagram video, shot, yeah. And I think it should have just been done with their own clips. I would have liked that much better. Headlines, existing footage. I don't like them on camera talking about themselves. It just Mm-mm. seems narcissistic, self-centered, and one-sided. Yeah, and um, I'll wrap it up and say I'm curious to see where they go from here because they lose all the people around them that give them counsel. Like their PR's gone, the head of um, Archie Will's gone, podcasts, like just the people that would advise them. They want more and more and more and more control over themselves. But like I think anybody that is at a top position, who is your real person that's giving you real feedback? Who's giving that to you? Who and. You know, you're in a bubble. the only person that is giving it to them are the producers of Netflix because they want this thing to go on yep. and themselves and their PR team and whoever else can make a dime off of them. I don't know why they can't see that, that everyone, everyone around them is getting paid. You're not going to convince me after watching this to like you anymore. Or the people that already like you aren't going to not like you after this. I just don't think, I think you, like, if you feel like you have something to prove to the world, doing that is through action and just getting on with your life and doing the, yes. the doing the charity or whatever you want to do. do. Your work. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're, I'm not saying like, I completely hate them. I kind of understand it from a woman to woman about some of the things about Megan. I enjoy watching her with the kids more, their mm-hmm. life more than just hearing them talk. Like that, I can watch I'm, I'm not gonna chickens eat. all day long. That's what yeah. I want to see is the babies. Oh, here we are again. Truth. We got some truth out. Finally, people are going to know some truths, but it hasn't given us peace. It's like my, my word has to be peace. And it was right around that time that I was like, I just want peace. And, and part of that for me is reclaiming, you know, when you've lost a huge piece of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> The world that they see is how I would love the world to be. 
They didn't worry about, they didn't need to worry about the things that we worry about. <laughs> Ciao, darling. Still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. <laughs> never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Let's play a game, all right? On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it, just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, it's me again, and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now. Just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss Intrigue Pod. Follow us on Pinterest and Flipboard, where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty, chronicles of interesting events in history, and of course, true crime. Lastly, check out our YouTube channel, because everyone has one, right? That features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out MissDeedsAndIntriguePodcast.com. But we don't have a complaints department, just to give you a little heads up. The podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinion of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie, Misdeeds, or Intrigue Podcast, or Larissa have been, am now, or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and Intrigue Podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites, and or from YouTube or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.